Hi again, basketball fans. This is Matt Laughlin. Welcome to the latest edition of Pirates Talk, a Seton Hall basketball podcast. Things were bad last week for the Hall, let's face it. Not only on the court, where they lose at Iowa State and to in-state rival Rutgers, but the losses of two key players during the course of those games. First, the Sunday loss at Iowa State, Sandrew Mamokalashvili out with a broken wrist, gone for six to eight weeks. And then at the end of the week, as the Hall is still reeling from that news, they wind up losing Miles Powell, a player of the year candidate, their leading scorer, their all-everything as he suffers a concussion and will be gone for an indefinite period of time. So pick the adjective that you want. Catastrophic, calamitous, shocking, harmful, terrible. Just call it bad, unfortunate, unlucky, ill-fated, adverse, detrimental, whatever it is, it would apply to Seton Hall's situation. But here's the news. There's nothing they can do about it at this point. There's a lot of basketball ahead of them, but it will not be easy in the absence of their two stars. A man who has seen just about everything involving Seton Hall over the last two decades is our guest this week on Pirates Talk. In his 17th year working on Pirates Radio alongside Gary Cohen, Dave Popkin, you know as the familiar voice of Seton Hall basketball. He also does a terrific job in other avenues, but this is Pirates Talk, and so it's time to welcome in this week's guest to get his perspective on what's going on, what lies ahead, and what Seton Hall faces as the rest of this season unfolds. And so now we do welcome Dave Popkin to the show. Dave, thanks very much for giving me a few minutes. Uh, what a terrible... There, it's, it's impossible to understate how bad the week was for Seton Hall. Your perspective of the Sunday loss, not only to Iowa State, but then the loss of Sandro Mamukashvili uh, to an injury, and then, of course, the loss Saturday at Rutgers, and more importantly the concussion suffered by Miles Powell. That's a lot of bad news right around the holidays. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> they're going to be, uh, you know, checking the George Washington bridge for me. It's, uh, it's not, not good right now. Um, I mean, this is a team that was picked first in the league that I think is going to struggle for a while to win games. It, the Iowa State thing to start at the top uh, is not surprising. They're a good team. They're like a top, you know, 30 or 40 team in the country. You're playing in one of the great home court advantages um, in college basketball. Um, I, I think the team was really stung by the Oregon loss and that it started there. Uh, they were they were okay, you know, after Michigan State played well. Good team, obviously. Uh, Could have gone either way. Uh, but Oregon they had. They were up by 19 points. And they just kind of stopped playing Seton Hall basketball. They didn't get enough stops. The ball didn't move uh, quickly enough. They got flustered by the press. And then, you know, people can watch that film and go to school on that. And, and they started to struggle. Um, the, the next two games, uh, they, were, they were, you know, fortunate to get out of there with wins against Southern Miss and Iowa State. And then to beat a team back-to-back is, is hard, especially on the road. So, um, so they weren't playing at 100% capacity anyway. Um, and then to lose the two guys, I mean, you, you can't replace two guys like that. I mean, they're, first of all, they're great players, you know, like all Big East caliber players in, in Sandro and Miles Powell. And then they're good guys too. They're leaders on the team. Uh, the other, the other players look up to them. So where do they go? Yeah. I mean, that's the question now, where do they go? And, um, 
you know, can they can they sneak a couple wins out until until they get these guys back so that they stay in the conversation and in the NCAA tournament mix? You, you in terms of the injury, uh, the injury to Sandro has a timeline. Broken bones have timelines, so you know when he, he's coming back. You've got a rough idea. What can you tell us about Miles Powell? Uh, anything you've heard since? We know he won't play Thursday. At least that's what Kevin. Willard has said he won't play Thursday against Maryland. Anything that you've been able to glean about what his status is beyond that? Seton Hall just sent out a press release about 10 minutes ago that said it's just indefinite that he's going to be in the concussion protocol and that they don't know. And I think that that's honest and fair and the right thing, you know, to do for the kid. Um, It's just unfortunate because, you know, he decides to come back to school and he's having a, a pretty good year. Uh, he's poised to have a great year uh, as, you know, as he continues to uh, build numbers and, and figure out, you know, teams face guarding him and double teaming him and, and how, to, how to play against that. I think he was still in the midst of, of kind of figuring that out, uh, being the hunted uh, instead of the hunter. Um, I, Kevin told us on the postgame show after Rutgers that it would be after Christmas, which means after Prairie View A&M. Um, but I don't think anybody really knows, you know, how serious the concussion is. And I think that they have to plan to play without him. They have to plan, okay, this is our rotation now. And then when he comes back, who knows if he can play 35 minutes. Maybe he comes back and plays half the game. It depends on, on what the story is. So nobody really knows. And I just feel bad for him because – He's obviously overcome, you know, family issues and, you know, early in his career, injury issues, weight issues, whatever. I mean, the kid is a survivor. He's a, he's a terrific, you know, otherworldly scoring talent, but he's also a, a good guy, and, and I wish good things for him. And I think everyone echoes those same sentiments. And the interesting thing or the confusing thing at some point about concussions is they affect everybody differently. Some guys come back right away. Some guys, it's long-term. Not to join the two sports in any way, but what I've seen in hockey in terms of him coming back, what I've seen in hockey is once a player is cleared, once he's gotten you know, through that baseline testing and shows that he's okay and runs through some exercises and they determine that he is ready to go, generally there's not a setback. But everybody's different, and individual responses to individual circumstances certainly can be a part of what might happen moving forward. But hopefully, Miles won't be out too long. Again, time will tell. So in your mind, who does take up the slack? Or how? I think it's got to be, yeah, how do they do be it? Jared Roden. Uh, he has not shot the ball well. Uh, I think that he is the most talented remaining player on the roster. Uh, I think that uh, Powell and, and Sandro are are the most talented uh, with, you know, NBA kind of upside. Uh, Tyrese Samuel, you know, could be there in time, but this is a pretty short timeline to try to expect him to play 25 or 30 minutes and be a double-double guy, which he will eventually be. Uh, I think that he has uh, an NBA body and he has a lot of ability. He can pull big guys away from the basket. He's going to play a lot of minutes now, um, but – Roden, I think, has to play big minutes and has to score double figures and and has to make shots. Um, Quincy McKnight, obviously, 
took control in the second half for Seton Hall against Rutgers. It wasn't enough. He's been banged up, so he's not 100% either. So it, it's not really fair to say, well, Quincy's got to lead the team and score 25 points right now. I don't think that that's realistic. Um, but it's a confidence game. With, with McKnight, with Roden, uh, with some of these players, they have the physical ability to do it. But Roden was passing up open three-point shots uh, for a couple weeks there just because he didn't have the confidence. And I, I think he definitely has the ability. It's just a matter of, you know, let's say Powell misses three games. Is it going to, is it going to surface, you know, and, and help Seton Hall win a game uh, over the next three games? Because this is a very difficult stretch. Obviously Maryland, their top 10 team Prairie view is pretty good. Um, By, by all accounts, it's, it's a tough game. It's not a gimme game on the 22nd. Um, They're expected to win their league. And then, you go to DePaul and DePaul's one of the most improved teams in the league and in the country. So it's a very difficult stretch. Can Jared Roden or does Jared Roden have the personality? You mentioned him passing up some shots. Now it might be his team for a few games. It's one thing when you pass up shots and Miles Powell is there and uh, Sandro is there and they're the two leaders. And so, you know, you defer, right? They're all alpha males in that dressing room, but they're still a hierarchy. So, can he accept that handoff, and does he have the personality to say, okay, I'll be the man. This is my time, even though it might be limited. This is my time, and so I'm going to take the ball and run with it. I think so. I do. Um, I'm not sure what has been going on the past few games, you know, why he hasn't been accurate and hasn't been confident in his shot and has, has deferred, but... Um, Maybe that there, you know, are not the two top scoring options, and he sees that it has to be him. It'll help change his mentality. Uh, he absolutely has the ability. I think that he plays with a fire. Uh, I don't think that he's a, a passive player. You'll see it in his rebounding numbers. You'll see it in his steals numbers. You'll see it in his block shots. He's aggressive, and that's you know generally why Kevin will leave Roden and Reynolds in the game, even when they're. You know, making questionable decisions or not making shots on offense. These are guys that uh, change the tempo and change the aggressiveness of the team. It's something that has been missing this year, like the Angel Delgado, Desi Rodriguez, Ish Sonogo, Junkyard Dog, Seton Hall mentality. When Roden and Reynolds aren't on the floor, they don't really have that, that look to me. Um, but when those guys are out there, it is more aggressive, and, and you throw the shot blockers in the mix, and, and Seton Hall is one of the better defensive teams out there. Um, so for that reason, you know, I, I think that it's in there. It, it just needs to come out now. Yeah, now is the time. Let's see it. So I'm going to go back to where we started, which was the injury situation, and Saturday, of course, Miles suffers the concussion. There's been some talk, and it's died down. I don't think there was anything wrong the way Seton Hall handled it. What was your point of view? I will say this. I did not watch the game. I was in Arizona. The Devils had a game later. So I was listening to you and Gary, and there was a point in the first half where Gary goes, is Miles on the bench? And you said, oh, yeah, he's down by father. He's kind of way down there. That was my first indication, like, wow, something's up. That being said, your take on on how the whole situation was handled. It's – it's easier for us because we have the bird's eye view. I mean, we usually sit down next to the bench 
And there's so much going on down there, as you know, with, with the coaches running in front of you and players checking in and the, and the officials. And it's hard to see the game from down there and, and really have a good perspective on, on calls and shots from the corner and, you know, guys falling down and things like that. So it's hard to make that judgment if you're the coach and you're the trainer at the bench. It really is. So we're up top, and we could see not only the replay but live. The first time he Powell drew the charge, his head bounced off the court. Mm -hmm. And he kind of jumped up and kept playing. But, you know, you got to be a little worried at that point. And then not that long after that, he ran down, and I thought Montez Mathis poked him in the eye because he kept, like, grabbing his eye. But it turned out that he had run into Samuel – um, as they were trying to screen, like they got, they just ran into each other at the free throw line. And he was kind of shaking his head at that point. And we could see that from where we were, but maybe they couldn't see it from the bench. I mean, they obviously uh, have Powell's best interest at heart. And they didn't realize until the under four timeout when he finally sat down that, um, that something was really wrong. Um, but he was kind of, he was out there. And I think the other indication for him was uh, he missed two free throws, yes. which never happens. You know, that never happens. And now it's easy in retrospect to put these things together and say, hey, there was obviously something wrong with the guy. But um, it's hard to know that live. And, and you know, I, I don't blame anybody. In uh, Arizona, in Glendale, where I was uh, waiting for the game, the, the hockey game, there was no Big Ten network, so I couldn't watch that. And then Fox on the go because of, the fact that I have Fios, they wouldn't let that wasn't listed as a provider that would let me uh, log in. So I would have watched a little bit, but I love radio. It's it's my love, it's my passion. So I do enjoy listening to you guys. But for those who are wondering, like why wouldn't you watch the game? I couldn't watch the game. Uh, that being said, what I could see through the description of the game that you and Gary provided, and you you talked about those missed free throws, like that was a time when the game was slipping away early, but okay, settle things down, make these two. Now you're thinking, oh my goodness, what the heck is going on there? A, why did Rutgers make all those shots? Because they're a terrible outside shooting team. And why couldn't Seton Hall, Miles condition notwithstanding, make a shot? Yeah, the whole thing was was scary. And I, I think that uh, it was just a momentum play. It, it was like an avalanche. Like after an early three by Harper and the two alley-oops um, and it's 14 to nothing. I just see, think Seton Hall got knocked back on their heels and, and couldn't really recover. They did play them evenly. In fact, one point better for the rest of that first half, mm -hmm. but um, the momentum in that building, I mean, it was really a great home court advantage and Rutgers did everything they could with the scarlet out, giving the t-shirts and the student sexualist pact and Eric Legrand and Shiano comes out and, you know, pumps everybody up. And, and, and obviously at the start of the game by the, by the team, um, I, I think Seton Hall was down like, you know, 23 to five or something like that. And, and the game was over. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was just too much momentum and too big of a lead to come back from, especially in the second half without Powell. Uh, you have a puncher's chance anytime with Powell, uh, but without him and trying to figure out, okay, who's going to be the guy now, I just think that um, it, it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't their day. It was shocking to me. Um, they were a, a, a moderate favorite in the game. But I, I think that um, Jerry Carino or somebody, you know, said that, you know, where you might normally get three or five points for a home court advantage, you got to give these guys eight. 
I agree with that. <laughs> I think that it's a really tough place to play now. And, um, and Seton Hall was thrown off kilter in the first two minutes of the game. No doubt. Um, they, they fell behind early, never could recover. And when you lose your leader, then there is a sense of, okay, what's going on here? Because they have depended on him so often, particularly in the last, uh, well, this season and last, just, you know, give him the ball. He's going to get 30. He's going to make the crusher shot. He's going to make the pressure shot. And now he's not there. So I could understand why, why everything started to fall apart. The bad start, loss of him, what's going on. And next thing you know, it's uh, it's on to Maryland uh, to borrow from uh, Bill Belichick's lexicon. So if you would, pave me, pave our listeners a path to the tournament, uh, to a successful season. Despite these two losses, again, you know when Mamu's coming back again, roughly, uh, and hopefully Miles is back sooner rather than later. They're still 22nd in Ken Palm. They're out of the top 25. There clearly is a path to the postseason. Deliver us how that happens. I think they have to finish over 500 in the league. Uh, or if they don't get the guys back quickly enough, I think they have to win the Big East tournament. Just win it outright. You know, get get going in February, and then and then win three three games and and win the league. Um, I I don't think it's super reasonable to say that they're going to go three and two over their next five games or anything like that. I I really uh, I'm hesitant, you know, to say that. I think it's got to. They've got to get it together, uh, get some experience now for guys that needed minutes, that needed to be in a leadership role, uh, that that need some confidence. And then you plug the other guys in and you could really be good. You know, this could help the team in the long run. But um, I think it's more of a, a late season push. Committee gives them the benefit uh, knowing that their two best players were out a month or whatever it's going to be. And and that they go on, you know, a, a six out of seven run at the end of the year and say, oh, yeah, this is the team that we thought uh, people were going to see uh, when they were preseason number 12. Um, you know, and, and they forgive them for, you know, maybe playing below 500 in the Big East for much of the league season. I think that is the most realistic path. If they do better than that, great. They can get back into the conversation for a four or a five seed. Um, but the thing that worries me about this whole thing, like immediately after the game, the thing that, you know, when we all looked at each other after the game was like, here we go again, that, you know, you may not get to go to Albany as a four seed. You may have to be in an eight, nine game or a 10, 11 seed and, and have a really tough, you know, first and or second round game. And that's where, you know, Seton Hall has been for the last 15 years, 17, 20 years. Like <laughs> that's where it's been. And it's really hard to overachieve and get out of that. It is, but wouldn't it be just an unbelievable topper to a year that at the start was viewed as potentially a season of destiny and greatness, and then you go through all this early adversity, people question what the team is all about, can they bounce back, and then suddenly, rather than going to Albany and a path to Madison Square Garden, you go back to where you've struggled quote-unquote struggled, I mean, listen, four straight NCAA tournaments, et cetera, uh, is nothing to sneeze at, but where you've not been able to really get that second win to go on to the Sweet 16. All of a sudden, it happens out of nowhere, and now you're on a run, 
and miracles do happen, baby, right? Would that not be an incredible story to write? It really would be. Uh, and I, I hope that's, I hope that's right. <laughs> I, I, I do because it would make it all the sweeter uh, because it's uh, Gary and I talked about it on the post game show and you were probably going on the air at this point, but we said, you know, this is probably um, the lowest point for the program since they lost to Rutgers and after Paul back to back in 2012, when it looked like they had a good chance to make it and uh, they just blew it. They blew it at the end of the year, and they got blown out at DePaul, and and that plane ride back, I'll I'll never forget. I just it was the lowest of the low, and after the Powell injury, you know it it felt pretty low. So <laughs> I think that Seton Hall fans need to keep some faith. Hope he comes back, you know, in in a couple weeks here, and uh, and that they they're able to figure it out. Yep, you'll have to stay on the bandwagon. The fans will have to continue to support the team. My broadcast partner in hockey, Chico Resch. Always questions when I say this. It's always darkest before the dawn, they say. And yep. Chico reminds me, well, no, it's pretty dark an hour before the dawn. How did they come up with that saying? <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it is darkest before the dawn, and let's hope that this is where you bottom out. It's going to – look, for Seton Hall to beat Maryland on Thursday is probably asking more than they can give at this point. But show the competitiveness. As you mentioned, let's see what Roden can do. Let's see if they can dig down deep, recover some of that Seton Hall snarl. Don't look past the game uh, on Saturday. And then let's see where the chips fall uh, when the Big East tournament or Big East uh, conference play begins against DePaul. They have no other choice, so let's go, right? That's right. And I think the uh, the snarl has to come back a little bit. You know, I really do. I think that um, even if you're playing small, you know, with – with Roden at the four and uh, and other things like that, guys just need to stay tough, stay tough, and 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 create some some steals and some transition opportunities, and and not you know rely on just you know moving the ball around in a half court offense. They have to get out and 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 get some momentum plays, you know, get some dunks, get some blocks, and and really get out and 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 get themselves motivated. Yeah, and Kevin Willard, and this is with all due respect to Miles Powell, who was certainly in the conversation and if he comes back quickly will remain in the conversation for player of the year great player you know all-time great Seton Hauler but now Kevin Willard can look around and say hey and just look at everyone in the eye do you think we're only Miles Powell and Sandro mm -hmm. did you come here simply to be a bit piece or do you want to play a key role I mean he can challenge these guys like this this is hardship how are you going to respond you're playing Big East basketball for Seton Hall. Are you just happy to say, oh, well, I'm here? Or you want to make a statement in the absence of two of our players? So let's go. So there could be an emotional charge. Again, talent-wise, there's a drop. Let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think that being being uh, coming home to the Rock is going to help. This team has generally been on the road for a month. And uh, even though you know some were neutral sites, blah, 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 you're away from home. You don't have 14,000 people cheering for you. It's they're 19 years old. Like it's, I think it's more important to them than it would be to some professional player. Um, you know, that's 25 or 30 years old. That's been through it and, and knows how to play uh, in hostile environments. These guys have played in some hostile environments and they've had some things happen to their team and they could use the support of the fans. And I know that the crowd um, for the Maryland game is going to be very big. You know, they say almost as big as the Michigan state crowd. Awesome. So, People need to show up and, and root these guys on.
And I want to thank Dave again for giving us some time this week as Seton Hall prepares for Maryland on Thursday. I started the show with adjectives describing the week that was. But that's in the past. All Seton Hall can do is look ahead. And it will be a challenge, unquestionably. But it's also a charge. A charge to the players who are on the roster. As I discussed with Dave, it is an opportunity. How will they do in the absence of Mamu and Miles Powell? Who knows? It's not going to be easy. But the fact of the matter is, there are going to be five guys out on the court. Kevin Willard's going to call on what is now a less than deep bench, or at least less deep than it was at the start of the season. But somebody's going to carry the ball. It is an opportunity. And on that note, we want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Holidays to all. We'll see you in a couple of weeks when Seton Hall begins Big East play. For now, thanks for listening. So long, everyone.